The Instructor Podcast with Terry Cook, talking with leaders, innovators, experts and game changers about what drives them. Welcome to the Instructor Podcast Green Room Edition. This is Green Room number 23. This is the show where we look at the news and relevant topics for driving instructors. As always, I am your splendid host, Terry Cook, and it would be delighted to know that is not just me. It is a friend of the show and representative of the DITC, Chris Benson. How are we doing, Chris? Absolute pleasure to be here, as always, and uh, looking forward to putting the world to rights again. It's always a pleasure to be in my company. Uh, Today, we are going to be looking at the topic of how much can or should driving instructors earn and uh, how much should we be advertising that we can earn potentially. But before we dive into that, there is some news, not an awful lot of it, but there is some news. And uh, I am massively underprepared, partly because I've been moving home and partly because I'm full of cold. So I'm heavily leaning on you today, Chris. What's the news? So um, the 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 massive big news is there is a new version of the highway code out. Um, it's the second print. There's been a few changes. Uh, so if you if you haven't updated your highway code uh, since, particularly since the February changes of uh, hierarchy and stuff, get yourself a copy. Um, and uh, you know it's also available for free online. But if you want a copy, then it's there. Um, and there's another survey. I know we love a DVSA survey. Um, they are looking at how you use their system, uh, what works well, and how it could be improved. I haven't yet clicked the button because um, I was partly waiting for you to you know, slide into my DMs and say, shall we, shall we abuse the DBSA's survey? But, um, you know, I'll, 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 uh, I'll hold off a little bit longer and then we'll decide. So that is going on until the 10th of October. Apparently, it takes five minutes if you consider your answers and tell them the truth it'll probably take 10 so uh definitely do it you know if we don't speak when they ask us to they're not going to listen the rest of the time so give them some feedback make it constructive it doesn't have to be positive but make it constructive um but it might be that you love everything that's going on at the moment um and then this this is the one that you've been waiting for the j-a-u-p-t um, is now becoming part of the DVSA. Uh, yeah, that was the response I had. Um, so it's the Joint Approvals Union for Periodic Training. I don't really know. I'm not quite sure what they are, um, but apparently it's important enough to let us all know. It's not going to change anything, except, um, sadly, I think some people are going to be out of a job as with all of these mergery things. Um, what the J-A-U-P-T does um, is that they are uh, responsible for the processes and applications from training providers for centre and course approvals for Driver Certificate of Professional Competence, DCPC. I know you like letters, Terry. Um, and Drink Driver Rehabilitation, DDR. Now, what I do think is that sounds quite interesting. There might be some changes coming along with uh, what I refer to as naughty boy courses. Um, so the things to do with driver rehabilitation. So if people have, you know, want a bit of a break from learners, I know there's lots of opportunities around there at the moment from different places. It might be worth keeping an eye on that and investigating whether there's an opportunity to get in front of a classroom or whether they're doing it digitally on Zoom. 
um, or getting involved in that in some way. So speak to find your local person who does indoors. They're normally the best port of call. So it might be worth a chat. But it was important enough for the DVSA to tell us. My uh, wife slash ex-wife uh, recently completed a online um, speed awareness course. Mm-hmm. And halfway through this course, she came running in, burst into the room where I am now. And she's like, James, look, James, look, she's presenting my course. Um, and for those of you of eagle ears will be aware that James Lucas is the host of the Project Edward podcast. How are they? And he's been on this show a few times. And she got ridic- ridiculously excited <laughs> that she'd seen him on there. And, and um, it proves she listens to you. Fortunately, she hasn't listened to the Speed Awareness course. <laughs> I am not going to say how I know what I know. Uh, I'm about to say I do not explain how I know this. I will admit to nothing. But... 32 miles an hour in a 20 zone she was doing recently and only slowed down for the junction. Um, she doesn't listen to this podcast, thankfully. Uh, either way, um, yeah, so speed awareness. There you go. Uh, I just want to touch back on the, 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 the survey for a second because yeah. it's I haven't done it yet. It's in my inbox. It will be done probably, well, whenever. Um, but I do like to complete. I'm always intrigued by what the questions are. I am a big believer in filling this stuff in because why not? You know, they've given it to us. We can either not fill it in and then complain or we can fill it in. Then we've got something to actually complain about. Uh, whereas if you don't fill it in, then it's almost like not voting when you say, oh, the vote don't anyway. It's like, well, if you don't vote, then you, you're definitely not going to make a difference. So I would suggest fill it in. And then once you've filled it in, if they ignore what you've said, you, maybe you've got a reason to mourn. Although... I will just throw in that just because you say it, if the other 30,000 ADIs don't say it, then it's probably not going to get done. So, yeah, I will try and remember to put a link in the show notes for that. So when you've listened, uh, you should be checking the show notes every week. There's always useful stuff in there, uh, but you'll find a link for that. Any other news, Chris? Um, on that kind of news, not particularly. It's been quite quiet. Um, I don't think there's been a lot going on. You know, obviously, we had the, the sad passing of the Queen, which I think in, indirectly affected a lot of driving instructors. I had probably 100 instructors get in touch individually to say, is it OK for me to work or why are other people working? So I think there was a, you know, there was a lot going on on that day. Um, I know for us, it was a big day because you you were moving and I was uh, I was not celebrating my birthday because it felt a bit weird to with everybody watching telly and um with everything else going on so yeah the, you know that that was also something that that happened um i was trying to refrain from publicly talking about moving until i've moved um i kind of wanted that kept in house largely and um but i was very very itching like on the Friday and Saturday before the, 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 the funeral on the Monday, to put some kind of post out saying, super excited for Monday, can't wait. But I couldn't then explain the reason why, and I didn't want the hate of, can't believe this man is excited for the fu- Queen's funeral. Um, but yeah, you're day, Mike. I was going to say, it would have been worse if you were looking for boxes. Um. <laughs> yeah. Um but yeah, you had your day ruined. Uh, mine was made better because the roads were clear. 
Uh, <laughs> bed moving a lot easier. Uh, two hours it took, saved off what I planned, which was good. Um, but yes, condolences to the Queen and her uh, ridiculously rich family. Okay, so a couple of bits from me that I want to to throw in. Uh, one thing I did spot this uh, recently for the DVSA is they are kicking off their examiner recruitment campaign again, uh, yes. which I think has largely been ongoing. But there were a couple of things in there that did just perk my interest slightly in the, the number of 300. They've recruited 300 examiners, which didn't sound a lot. Now, I have no context to put that into. I don't know if that, that is a lot or not, but it didn't. I, I don't know. I think I would have in my head more than that. But but the other one that stuck out for me, and I'd be interested in, in your, your thoughts on this, uh, new entrants coming in are uh, getting flexible working patterns, and they're working five days in every seven, so that will include weekends and evenings. So they're actually getting examiners in to specifically work weekends, um, which would, in my understanding, negate the idea of overtime from that. But they will look, so it looks like there'll be more weekend slots available. And I, I know previously they're working Monday to Friday, so I found that quite interesting. It, the flexible, I think, and, and this is just from speaking to examiners um, and you know listening to, to what the DBSA has said they're trying to achieve, the flexible is not necessarily for the examiner's benefits as such if it suits you brilliant it's about the fact that they're restricted in what they can do with the the contracted the current contracted examiners so i think there's still there's still potentially because it's five days out of seven there's still potentially overtime options in there but actually you know they they can they the hours can be allocated in a better way uh they can move things around you know there were there were issues about moving moving days so saying to the people who are coming on on, on the new flexible um sets of hours that yeah we're going to open up slots on a saturday uh which from my research instructors didn't want uh but apparently dbsa feel that slots on a saturday are wanted but that we want them as an addition and actually what the flexible hours are allowing is to strip out wednesday and instead of having wednesday we'll have saturday so does that give us more? That's what I want to know from DBSA. Are we getting more or are we just getting a different allocation? And, you know, it, it, as you said, with the numbers, it doesn't seem like many. Um, are we going to get a big capacity? Um, and, and we've all got to remember, we want the quality to stand. We, we you know, it's important that that minimum standard is maintained. So is, is that going to, you know, going to get affected if they start taking anyone and everyone um you know how, how many how many are, what's the aim how many are they looking for but i know we're always saying what and why yeah i, I think to some degree it, it's irrelevant for us the, the actual figures and like you say how many are they aim to achieve because it, as long as they are that's all that really really matters to us but i think yeah. one of the thing i don't know if i mentioned this before but some i hadn't considered before I spoke to Graham or, or Brian, uh, and if you haven't caught that episode, go back and check that out. Um, was he was talking about potentially them having a two-year contract because what happens when the backlogs disappeared? If you've, you've then got a surplus of examiners, well, that that is unnecessary. Then there's always going to have to be some sort of a queue. So I suppose they've got to be quite careful with those. Quite careful with those numbers overall. And as an instructor, do you want to give up your badge um, and your business 
for two years to then come back and have to work really hard to try and build it up again. Um, you know, I, I think there are, yeah, there, there's pros and cons. Um, you know, you also wonder are there limitations on who they who they can get rid of if if the new in examiners are doing a better job. But you know, for, is there flexibility? Can they have turnaround? I I think it's a lot like teachers. I think we, you know they have to choose to leave. So I, I don't know if we get the benefits that that maybe as independent business people, um, you know, it's it's still inside of the the structure of the government agency. Um, we it's never as simple, and we don't necessarily the, see the benefits that we would expect. Yeah, I think it's one of those situations where you look to your left and you can see a massive big rock. You look to your right and you see a massive big hard place, and you know we're all in in the middle of that. You look to your feet and you're standing in a pile of brown stuff. I mean, thanks for that image, you know, whatever. Um, but there is some good news, um, some really good news, in fact, because uh, this episode is being recorded and will be released on the 30th of September. Uh, and on the 1st of October, there's a real treat because usually, well, at the end of every Green Room episode, uh, the good man to my right on the screen as I look at it, Chris Benstead, uh joins me for a very special bonus episode that we call the Green Room Extra. And that usually only goes out to my premium subscribers. But what we're doing this month, because on the 1st of October, it is my birthday. It's the my 40th birthday as a special treat for your listeners i am putting out this uh this week's episode of the green room extra as a, a regular podcast so you guys can all go and download that so once you've finished listening to this go and check out the green room extra and you'll get to hear chris benson ask me a random question that i still have no idea what it is and uh, it's got a really good way of rattling my cage which is quite good. So good news for all you guys. You get uh, something free, a free bonus episode. And the other thing that's happening this weekend, again, as we record, if you're listening to this later on in October, then you are way behind the times. But, um, but yeah, the other thing happened this weekend is we've got the ADI, NJC, and Intelligent Instructor Expo, which is on the 2nd of October. Are you going, Chris? Are you looking forward to it? Uh, yes. I, I said I might pop in. Um, then I said I will pop in. Now I'm committed to a full day of meeting various different people, going and looking at things. So yeah, I know I I, I will definitely be there now. Uh, I've committed myself enough that I can't can't not be. Um, and I I'm looking forward to it um, as much as I like any social event where there's lots of people and and I have to talk to real human beings, uh, which I know both of us are you know adverse to at times. Um, but no, I'm looking forward to uh, catching up with um, some PDIs that I've been been supporting, and and just seeing what's what's new, if anything. Is there any innovation going on? Are we going to see anything new, or is it going to be the same stuff that we've seen before? Um, I'm hoping there's going to be some of that hard work that happened during COVID coming about, and uh, we we see some nice, interesting stuff. I don't expect to change the world, but. It'd be nice if something was uh, new and exciting. I expect to change the world. Um, that's how big my ambitions are. But uh, I am not going to run through all these, but I am going to run through the 215. So there are uh, different rooms. 
uh, at the expo, and there are different people presenting at different times, and they've all got their own time slots. The two fifteen time slots are Ray Seagrave, Lou Walsh, Professor David Crundle, Rudy Priest, uh, I'm not necessarily sure I pronounced that correct, but we'll go with it, and Terry Cook doing the episode 100 of the Instructor Podcast, uh, hence why there's an episode going out tomorrow. Um, so, yes, we have all those people. Uh, which one of those are you going to be visiting and uh, paying I've, attention to? I've known Lou for a very long time. Um, and, no, I, I, I'm definitely going to come and join you. Um, I, I want to sit back and watch, you know, watch and see it happen rather than have to be thinking about what to say. So, uh, yeah. It, it sounds sounds like it's going to be fun. Um, I think everyone should come and see what recording a podcast is when it's done professionally and, uh, you know, in, in such a way. So they should all come along. <laughs> no pressure. It's, it's not uh, going to be done professional on that day. It will be the worst recording of a podcast I've ever done. Um, I'm not good in front of people. <laughs> yep. Um, either way, uh, yeah. So uh, anyone listening, if you're in, if you're on the fence, if you're in two minds about whether to to make the trip to to Coventry on on Sunday uh, for the expo, make sure you get down there. I would recommend it. There's there's loads of quality stuff down there. But yes, I'm going to take a moment to plug me because uh, I'm hosting the two panel shows in the morning, uh, and I've uh, some interesting topics already that are going to be discussed around them, and I'm quite looking forward to probing the brains of the panellists, and then at the end of the day at 2.15, I am recording the 100th episode. I would love to see some of your friendly faces in the crowd, and I also just want to a little reminder that uh, there is a competition that if you do something along the lines of take a selfie with me or take a picture of me recording the podcast and put that up on social media, I will enter you into a prize draw to win a... Uh, a year subscription to the Instructor Podcast Premium, which costs over £100 usually. So, yeah, you can take a selfie, put the um, take a picture of me on stage, whatever you want, anything like that. Bang it on social media, tag me in it, or tag the Instructor Podcast in it, and uh, at some point over a few weeks after, I will do a draw, and you can win a year subscription to the Instructor Podcast Premium. But that's only if you attend. And if you do attend and you want to come and say hello, please do do because i love meeting people that listen to the show and i love getting feedback so if you're anything that you think i can do on the show going forward feel free to call me and make that suggestion anything else you want to cover news wise chris um no i think that's that's it i'm looking forward to the weekend and, and just seeing what happens so um you know i'm sure ne next time we'll have a, a list as long as our arm to discuss um and and we'll be able to you know to grade how you did on a scale of 0 to 10. Um, and, uh, yeah, we're, we're, I might even go to sit in the room and mark you on a status check for. Shall we record a special bonus episode of The Green Room on uh, Sunday evening, <laughs> reflecting upon my performance <laughs> in front of the crowd? Well, based on the fact I said I said to the other half, I'll be home by about 1 o'clock. Um, and, and now we've got the lovely love day um, from 3 till, 3 till 4 talking, which is always a crowded room. I, I, yeah, I'll be lucky to be home by by eight, I think. So, um, so yes, I, I but I'll, I'll happily take you up on that one, and, and we'll have a we'll have a live debrief session to share with everybody. That'd be good. 
Uh, yeah, can't wait. Uh, the other thing I'll just throw in there at the minute, uh, I've got a flat tyre on my car, or slow punter at least. I've knackered my right knee up so I can't put any pressure on it. And the microphone that I ordered, because I need a new one, hasn't arrived yet. I ordered a brand new T-shirt, um, which uh, I've come through when I ordered the wrong size and doesn't fit. So, uh, yeah, it's not going well. But <laughs> make sure you attend so you can see me make a fool of myself. But before we dive into the topic of how much should driving instructors earn and uh, all related words, uh, let's take a moment to set the table. So, Chris, do you want to tell people a little bit about yourselves, uh, a little bit about the DITC, and maybe even a little bit about Theory Test Explained and what you did recently? I would love to. Um, I am Chris Benstead. I am a driving instructor without a car. Uh, as Terry said, I, I now specialise in theory training. Uh, but I am co-founder of the driver. I am co-founder of the Driving Instructor and Trainers Collective. Normally, you that gets it wrong. Um, so the DITC, which you can find at the T H E D I T C dot co dot uk, and we are the signposting platform for the industry. We are the middlemen who will point you in the right direction when you are looking for more. And what I find is most driving instructors know they want more, but they don't know what that is because they don't know what's available. So we offer a free chat to help you try and figure it out to say, have you looked at this? Have you tried this? What what can you change? So that's the reason people should get in touch. Uh, we offer a membership service. So for £6 a month, uh, you can become a member, benefit from the growing number of member benefits, uh, which include access to a student card for yourself to get reduced prices on loads of stuff. And now is the time to have it because we've got the rest of the the end of the back to school offers going on um so you can get savings upon savings uh, and the, when i'm not doing that i'm i'm busy doing theory training and supporting driving instructors supporting their pupils so it's one-to-one -one, it's on zoom and it's it's desperately needed so uh you know we we look forward to to any support that we can offer and, and if you want to get in touch about that you can get hold of me through the ditc by all means and you are listening to the green room instructor podcast and speaking of the instructor podcast it returns for season four on october the 9th providing i get internet back so yeah make sure you are all going and clicking subscribe now wherever you are listening if you aren't subscribed go and do it now i would also very much encourage you all to go and share the love for this podcast, whether that's leaving reviews, whether that's sharing it online, whether it's sharing it in your WhatsApp groups or your local associations, anything like that, because I would love to do some record numbers when I come back with season four. And uh, I was saying before we started recording, Chris, I can't believe it's season four. It feels like it should only still be season two. But either way, uh, October the 9th, we are back. So make sure that you are clicking subscribe and sharing this. But for now, let's dive back into the episode, and we're going to be talking a little bit about how much ADIs can slash should earn. Now, before I come to you to start off, Chris, as I like to get your thoughts initially, I've done some very special quasi-quartang maths uh, to, to work out how much as driving instructors we should be earning. So... Uh, because we don't take breaks and because we work uh, you know, to the bone and all that kind of stuff, we should be working at least eight hours a day and we should be working at least six days a week. 
And if we average that wage out at £30 an hour, that's £240 a day. And then if we do six days a week, that's £1,440 a day. And if we do 48 weeks a year, because we allow ourselves four weeks off, we'll make just shy of £70,000 a year. That's what driving instructors should be earning, Chris. Tell me why I'm wrong, or if I'm wrong. Oh, I love it. Um, so I am long in the tooth enough, and you probably are as well, to remember some of the adverts that were out there to entice us in to the industry. And you still see them every now and again, where it is, you know, you can earn this amount of money. Um, so earns a really interesting you know, uh, word. Is it earnings when you haven't taken into account the costs? when you haven't taken into account the cancellations, all of those different factors. Um, I'm really big at looking on at billable hours. I think we have to take into account that a lot of working is done when you're not being paid. It's the travel between pupils. It's the booking it into your diary. It's the management when they decide that whatever you did book in, you've got to move. It's the trying to book a test at the moment. The number of instructors getting up at six o'clock in the morning on a Monday to try and get one of three tests between however many hundred people is, you know, is huge. They are not billable a lot of those hours. So we have to take that into account. Um, I used to do a really nice exercise with pupils just when we were chatting about stuff um, and, and get them to figure out what did they want me to earn every year? and then backward engineer it and, and take out the tax and take out the costs and take out, you know, all these bits that, that they didn't really think about because they were just handing me money thinking, cool, you're doing well. You know, you're, you're getting 40 quid for an hour's work and, you know, them in their, their part-time job getting under a tenner, it looks like I'm on great money. But then they cancel on me the next week. Um, and it, it helped because it makes them realise that. And, I, and I, it's nice yeah it's a nice conversation i i think there's so many factors that we know but actually we don't take it into account necessarily um i i think that you get the thing from <coughs> trading standards where they started getting it so that everything was standardized so it was it costs this for a hundred sheets of toilet paper or it costs this for a hundred milliliters of water and you could then compare more easily. I, you know, I, I think like for like is really difficult inside of our industry because you and I, we're both awesome, but we don't deliver the same thing. You know, that we, they're probably not comparable lessons. And, and if someone came and, you know, had a lesson with each of us, they might have a preference. They might love both of them. But try and make that comparison is, re is really challenging. So, you know, I, what should we be earning? I don't know. Enough to live on? What's that nowadays? It's not what's going to be next week or the week after. I think it's a, a really broad question. And I think you make, as sometimes you make some valid points. Um, the, the other podcast I do, uh, Driving Test Tales, that's where I speak to students about their, uh, their journey of learning to drive and, and passing the driving test and so on. And one of the common pieces of advice that so many of them give is don't just go to one instructor. Try a couple. And that doesn't necessarily mean that instructor A is going to be better than instructor B. It just might be more suited to you. 
but it might also mean that instructor A is better than instructor B because instructor B they might instructor B might charge five pound an hour less. But why is he charging that amount less? Or maybe he's just misvaluing himself or whatever. But I think that that's it. Always strikes me as interesting when actual students say that to go on different instructors until you find the right one for you. And but bringing it back to the the earning side of it. It's like the, the numbers I give there, obviously I'm kind of saying them tongue-in-cheek, but there is a potential to earn 70 grand a year, you know, yeah. before any costs go out, clearly. But should we be? Now, you made the point there about the all the additional time that's involved in that between lessons, going to your lesson, a lunch break, you know, a rest break, you know, whatever it might be. But the maths that I worked out there were eight hours a day, six days a week, 48 weeks a year. That, that's 48 hours a week on lessons. Mm. That's a, a long time to be working. I'm at a point now where I struggle to do more than 30 hours. Now, admittedly, you know, and this is me sort of holding my hands up, I do all this podcasting stuff on the side. So when I finish work, I then work more on this. It's why I do it in seasons rather than, you know, continuous. Um but even without this, I think I would be struggling to do more than 30 hours because it's I'm getting older and it's not good for the health to be <laughs> sat in a car that long. So if you work that, obviously, the less hours you do, the less that earning capacity becomes. But the other thing I want to throw at you is, is it right that we talk about that earning capacity when we're advertising? You you mentioned it there about, you know, getting inciting people in, in enticing people into the industry. Should we be saying come with us, you can make 70 grand a year. Or is that a bit misleading? What, what's the industry based on is, is a question that often concerns me because we're all about safety. We, we, we talk about safety. We want people to be safe because we don't want people to go and crash. It's not good for business more than anything else. You know, it, driving instructor whose pupils crash after they pass their test that you know you're not going to be in business that long you would think um the dvsa's badge we work really hard to achieve that it is an achievement but really that badge is just the license to charge money for what you're doing that's it it's not a symbol of an education in in the job it's not a symbol of of being qualified it's a license to charge money so actually that what we do Yes, should be, and I am all about road safety, but actually we're paying the bills. Actually, we're making money. And there's a little bit of a conflict between those two anyway. So when you're advertising, who do we advertise to? Do we say, if you look at teaching, come along and change the lives of kids? They don't sell teaching to to graduates based on or pre-graduates based on um you know come and make a load of money because they don't um and we shouldn't really complain about the hours that we do because they're by choice they you know the hours teachers work that they don't get paid for probably blows us out of the water um but it's that thing of you know what so what do we entice them to i i think there's the independence of it all um but often that's not what it was sold to us to be and it can be quite lonely um so 
you know, it's should I become a driving instructor? No, run away, go and do something else. I love it. I love the industry. I, I feel a little bit um, uh, unsure if I can make that the statement about driving instructor because I've kind of moved away from on the road stuff, the traditional driving instructor stuff, very much part of the industry. I feel I'm fighting a new frontier uh, with regards to the theory. But the same thing goes there, that it should be something that you're rewarded for doing good work. Um, and, and then who makes sure we do good work? Because no one really knows what a good driving instructor is. The DBSA haven't figured it out yet. I, I, it's, it's such a difficult one. So from the other side of it, should we be encouraging people to work more than 50 hours a week in cars we wouldn't be encouraging our pupils to drive that much we, we'd be concerned about their safety but just because we're sat in the seat rather than sat behind the wheel we we happily say yeah it's fine you know you should do that um you know i i, I feel that that's that's the issue that we're we're being hypocritical in recommending people can work massive hours and earn massive money allegedly um when actually we we then throw the safety out the window on the other side i think jacob reese mogg is currently trying to make it so people have to work more than 40 hours in a week so you know there's maybe there's room for it but I, I, there's a couple of things i want to touch on there i think that you know anyone listening once i've finished with this go back and check out i can't remember the episode number but the green room episode with with chris and sarah baldock we we spoke a lot about, uh, I think, why no one leaves school wanting to be a driving instructor. And I think that's really relevant to what we're talking about now. So I won't get into that too much, but definitely go and check out that episode. But like you were saying, what do we sell it on? Well, uh, it's kind of two bits I want to touch on there. You spoke about the being a direct correlation between our income and our number of hours. And I think that's the key. We can earn an absolute shit ton of money by working an absolute shit ton of hours, but is, is that what we want to be doing? That that's the big thing. Now, to me, the way to sell this is you can make X figure. Now, I appreciate this will be different for different people and different parts of the country and what people charge, whatever. But your day can be as mine is at the minute. Um, my first lesson is a ten till twelve. My next lesson will be one till half two, and my lesson after that will be half three till five. And I'm done. And in that day, I will have made a, a wage that I am happy with. But I don't have to get up at stupid o'clock in the morning. I've got time to do all my stuff in the morning, and then I'm back home for six. And I've got the entire evening to myself to do whatever I want, and I don't have to worry about going to bed early because I don't have to be up early because I don't start till 10. Now, again, those hours might change for different people. But I think that's the way to sell it. I think that's how we should be selling it. You can make a living that is good enough for you by working the hours that you want to work. But I massively also agree with what you're saying. We shouldn't – I know I'm being flippant about Jacob at Reese Mogg, but anyone who isn't flippant about Jacob at Reese Mogg needs to give their head a shape. But it's – we shouldn't be working that many hours. We shouldn't, A, have to work that many hours to earn the wage we want. 
and B, we shouldn't be for health and safety reasons. I've my guys know full well when I say my guys, my students, my learners, um, they know full well that if they're knackered or full of cold or whatever, they can text me before a lesson and say, Terry, I'm knackered. Uh, is it okay if we do something more stationary today? And that could be working on the theory. That could be um, the show me, tell me stuff or, or, or looking at stuff under bonnet or it could be, you know, looking at the theory behind roundabouts or whatever it is we're doing or just picking my brain about stuff or maybe doing a manoeuvre because rightly or wrongly, if you're doing a turn it road, it's a much more controlled situation than going and doing roundabouts at the end of a centimile-hour dual carriageway. So they know full well they can do that. So if I'm giving my students that prerogative, why would I not give myself that prerogative of, do you know what, I shouldn't be working 48 hours. I'm letting this person trust that I'm going to keep them safe if there's a problem. It, it's not realistic. And coming back to the other thing I mentioned about, you know, those earning the money we want and leading the life and the day we want to leave at lead. Why shouldn't we do that? Why shouldn't we, if as an instructor we want to take a 90-minute lunch break, why shouldn't we take a 90-minute lunch break? Why shouldn't, if as an instructor I want to charge £40 an hour or £30 an hour, whatever I want to charge, why shouldn't I charge that? If I decide that I want to start at 10 in the morning, why shouldn't I? If I decide that I'm going to have one random day off every week and that's going to be my CPD day, you know, why shouldn't I do that? We, I think that we can be quite quick to almost get on his own backs a little bit and be a little bit like, I don't deserve this, or, or it's only a driving instructor. Why should I have to do all this nonsense? But why shouldn't we? Why can't we make the most out of this? Does the same argument have to stand the other way around? That if you've got someone who hasn't got commitments, enjoys what they're doing, is happy to work, that they should be equally, or we should be equally accepting of them working 70 hours a week, um, having a 15-minute lunch break, maybe, uh, you know, everything being back-to-back. Should, should we be accepting of that and that's what they want to do? Because actually most people are fairly critical of that and they say you can't do it because it's not good enough. You know, you, the the quality won't be there, but maybe maybe they feel that they can deliver that. The it's the the, the only issue there for me is safety. That's it. You know, the the rest of it I ain't got a problem with. You know, someone comes to me and says, even if we look at it from the other way, the example I've just gave, even if it's the they don't want to do the learning, they don't want to do all the the nice stuff around it, they just want to do the lessons, and that's it. That's completely fine. As you said, that's that individual's prerogative. You do not have to be a driving instructor and want to do all the extra stuff on top. You know, if your students need help with a theory, you can send it out to the world's greatest theory test specialist, Chris Benstead. If you're someone that doesn't want to, I can't think of our examples, but if you don't want to do that stuff, you don't have to do it. It's a great thing about being self-employed and running your own business. The, the less responsibility you want, well, get a franchise because then you get even less responsibility. You take care of the absolute minimum you need to take care of. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. As I mentioned, the only concern I would have really 
is the safety aspect, you know, of working 70 hours a week. Because I, I know that everyone says they're different, and everyone is different. When I get to 30, I can feel myself dropping. When I start doing above hour six of a day, I know that hour seven and eight don't get as good of a lesson because I'm not yeah. on top form. Now, some people might be able to go a bit longer than that, but I don't believe that someone could do 50 to 60 hours every week and produce that same high quality. And I, and I agree. I am, you know, I, I'm just aware that other people won't agree and, and they will claim that the standard is there. So does that then mean that what we should be asking for is greater regulation? And, you know, lorry drivers are only allowed to drive so many hours. Should we be asking for, because of safety, regulation over it? Because I think most of us would say, no, thank you. We, we don't want to be regulated in the number of hours that we can work. We want that flexibility. So when we need to do it, we can. And and let us use our own common sense and and keep ourselves safe. No, I don't think there should be more reg, uh, regulations. I do think that the sort of the self-employed aspect is pretty good. But I do think this is perhaps somewhere where the DBSA could take a, a different stance with perhaps even something like a standards check um, in the, at the minute, obviously, it's done by criteria of, of pasture and the varying factors within that. But, you know, maybe there could be a system in place. I'm just picking this one out of thin air. But when someone passes their driving test, they are required to complete a survey about their driving instructor. And that survey could include some of the questions that we don't want to be asked of our students. And I think we all know what we're referring to there. Um you know, and they could be incorporated into that stuff. That could be where there's someone from the DVSA that gets in touch in an engagement call type of situation to say, look, we spoke to this student that passed with you and they claim that you fell asleep during your manoeuvres lesson a few times, you know, um, and they can offer advice or, or whatever, you know, maybe something along those routes. But I think that, the other option, and this is difficult to do, and this is what I like what the DVSA are doing now with the Are You Ready to Pass campaign and that side of it, I think there needs to be a better education of the public of what is expected from driving lessons. Because, yeah. you know, we, we all talk about it all the time. The first thing students ask for how much, you know, the, the P's that you refer to before, price, something, and personality, and the fourth one that I'm not going to repeat that I said that time. Um <laughs> And they, they don't know what else to ask. But maybe if they did, it's like someone asked me the other day, uh, one of my students actually, what what would I look for in a new driving instructor? My first go-to was the reviews. And I says, the first thing I'd do is I'd ignore all the reviews that said past first time, you know, those sort of short ones. And I'd look at the longer ones, the ones where people have actually taken time to leave a review and actually write something unique and see what – and you can get a feel for someone from that. You know, I can remember a few of mine springtead, and this – you know, I know my review is more than anyone else's. Well, I'm using mine as the example. But someone once put on mine, um, Terry is the Batman of driving instructors. Someone else called me the Yoda of driving instructors. I'm like, if I read that on a review, I'm going to that instructor. Um, my favourite one of all time was a lad who put – 
Terry, quite a long review, but at the end he put, Terry doesn't just teach you to pass a test. It teaches you to drive so you don't crash and die, etc. And I'm like, what's etc? Surely <laughs> dying's enough? But it's, it's those sort of reviews because you can see that those people have had really good rapport with me. The, so is the question, uh, you know, about that, the entry process into becoming a driving instructor that at the moment, and this is one of the foundations for the DITC being, being put together is people cannot find the, the entry process. What they find is DVSA information on one hand, which is the, the minimum standards that you have to achieve to, to enter in, not how to achieve them, but the minimum standards you have to achieve. And on the other hand, sales pitch, normally from the biggest companies that are out there because they've got the biggest budget and they're the ones that you find, is that if we could change something about the industry, is actually supporting better instructors coming into the industry the key to then, we, we if we improve the standards, Jimmy, who's looking for driving lessons, is more likely to end up with a good driving instructor. And, and to, to be able to shout about that. Um, I, I don't like reviews from learner drivers who have only had me as a driving instructor. What are they comparing me to? I love the ones that have been to 14 driving instructors. They've taken 23 tests. You know, their learning process has been misery. And then they come along and they find me and, and we work together and we make it a success. Um, because they're comparing me against something that they have experienced that is out there. You know, it, it's, it's real. Um, that's the, the per hundred milliliters. It makes it specific and comparable. And they're actually able to compare me. They, you know, I, I tell them all I'm brilliant. Lots of them believe it. And then I sort of say to them, how many other driving instructors have you been out in a car with? You know, don't just believe it just because you were told. Um, and the same goes for PDIs coming in, pre-PDIs particularly, the ones that haven't committed. And then the same thing comes around when they're going through that training and they're committing to a franchise or going independent, which is not the easiest thing to do if you want to, to go through the, the pink badge, PDI badge, train, trainee license system, um, that you've, you've got to then find someone that it will support you. How do you find that? Because we, we don't put that out there. We don't say what's good, what to look for. Because none of us can agree, you know, that 10 driving instructors in a room, 11 opinions. I, you know, I, I think for me, I'm not keen on regulation of hours. I want to see regulation of training, um, entry into the, you know, training people into the, the, um, becoming a driving instructor i uh, you know cars on table i'm a, i'm an audit trainer um the only reason i'm audit because i don't think there is particular value in it as it stands it needs changing they won't listen to me if i'm not audit dvsa won't listen to me if i'm not audit so uh, you've got to be inside it to change it um and i, I want it changed i i think we need change in regulation and that will then support going back to the original question of earnings you know, if we've got good, good instructors should earn good money. 
And it, that's really what it's about. But we, we've got to know what good is. And I, I'm, I'm with you completely in that I love it when students have, owned, have had another instructor. I mean, don't get me wrong, if they come to me, I'm not going to send them to another instructor to, to find out. I'm happy teaching them as being the only one, but I love it when they've they've been with someone else. And I, I may have told this story before. It's uh, 98 or 99 episodes in now, so I can't remember. But um, the, the one that stands out to me was a, a young a young lass. And uh, we are talking about previous instructors. Um, gosh, she was telling me about a previous instructor, I should say, because she said... Uh, the first one she had um, was on a phone all the time while she was driving. And the second one she had was essentially just a dirty old man. And we're looking down the top and asking her on buttons and sending a message and all sorts of stuff. So she said to me, I says, so as, as long as you don't do anything illegal and as long as you're not a pervert, you'll be my best instructor so far. I thought that's a really low bar. If I can't beat that, I may as well just give up now. Um, yeah. But yeah, so I, I agree with you with that. I think that I, I almost see it as a challenge. It's like, right, I've got what my game up now because she knows there is this level of instructor out there. So I've got to be better than that. And it makes me a better instructor knowing that someone's been to someone else. And yeah, I, I, I agree with you that good instructors should earn good money. I think the thing we have to be re- really careful of at the minute, and I know that we keep mentioning this, um, maybe I should say I keep mentioning this, um, the the demand for instructors right now is really high so lots of people can charge more and you know make more money again not everyone and i always caveat that but it's easier to make more money at the moment for most instructors it's going to change it's going to change and we have to big shit up now so that when that does change we can still make that that good living and you know, maybe uh, as something you've said a lot, you're much more on the uh, pulse with this than I am, but seeing the PDIs coming now, you talk about the quality of people coming in. The fact that you see people that aren't even instructors yet turn up to instructor events. You know, yeah. you see the quality coming through that see things like the big learner relay, which we forgot to mention earlier. So we'll come back to that in a second. Yes. Um, the big learner relay and uh, the instructor podcast and think that these things have always been there. And they're not, but they're seeing this this wave of of awesomeness, essentially, and riding that wave. Yeah. And I, if I was an instructor who'd been doing the job for, you know, 10, 15, 20 years, but hadn't been focused on improving myself, I would be scared at the moment of the new PDIs coming through some of the the client centered based i won't go as far as coaching because I, I i think that's that's a bit polarized but the client centered based training that's going on now where it's looking at not just teaching people to drive but teaching people to drive um that i i think there's some there's some really good um trainers coming in they're, they're being really good early what they're going to move into and they're they're hungry for learning they want to do the CPD. So, you know, as, as they follow you along, they're going to be exponentially gathering experience and knowledge. And they're riding on the backs of the hard work that the other people have done in, in developing things. So it's a bit like my son this morning. I was trying to teach him how to turn his mobile phone on and off because he doesn't know how. 
Um, and my other half looked at me and she's like, how can you not know? And I said, because he's been born into technology. So it's the norm. So if they've been born into uh, an industry with the BLR, that's the norm. With coaching, with client-centered at its heart, and that's the norm, then if you're not there, if you're still on the edge of that bell curve, you're going to fall off of it at some point. And the standards check will pick up on that because they're the phone calls that I'm getting about standards checks. So the people that don't just don't quite get it now because it's moved too far from what they're used to. And I think the two points for me on that is I think that because there's so much quality out there and there's a lot of quality out there, that anyone coming into the industry now and sees, for example, the fact that using instructor podcast, it's got nearly 100 episodes out there. It's got episodes we like see yourself, Ray Seagrave, Lou Walsh, Emma Cottington, San Harper, um, Bob Morton, and all the other people that I've forgotten that I now feel guilty about. All these awesome people that offer this really awesome stuff. So when they see someone offering a second-rate thing, they've got someone to compare it to. Yeah. So if you're offering a second-rate product now, people aren't going to hang about for it because they've got easy access to all this this quality. I think the other thing I want to mention there is that what you said about people that are resting on the laurels a bit or falling behind. This is where I hold my hands up a little because I, uh, listeners, you guys probably don't know this, but I came to Chris a little while ago and literally for some training to get me out of the rut that I was in. Um, I was sort of in quite a rut in terms of lessons, still providing, like I said, decent lessons, but not to my standard. And I couldn't work out why. So I invested some time and energy and whatnot into Chris and, and sort of he helped me overcome that. And I'm actually going to put that out as a, a training in my premium subscription. So go check that out, www.theinstructorpodcast.com. But um, yeah, that helped me through that. And I'm getting back to, I'm still not quite there, but I'm getting back to the instructor that I was pre-pandemic. And um, yeah, so it's, it's easy to get stuck in a rut. Really easy, but it's also quite easy to find the help you need. Not easy to get out of it, but it's easy to find the help you need. And that help wasn't training tools. It wasn't how to teach a lesson, how to teach pedestrian crossings or um, moving off from the side of the road. It, It wasn't that. It was about the lessons. It was about the business. And, and I think that's the thing that driving instructors have, because it wasn't quite part of the qualification process, haven't historically been educating themselves with. They've figured it out. And if I had to do it the hard way, why should, you know, everyone else should do it the hard way. And actually, these switched on people are coming in realising that's not, that's not the way. You know, I, I again, I see the same with the younger generation. You'll see it with your pupils coming through that they don't necessarily look for expertise to find the answer. They look for the answer because an expert came up with it. But if they've told person A who's told person B, why don't you just go to person B and they can tell you? So we need to be evolving and and dealing with that. And we need to be asking for help, uh, which was a pleasure to be able to, um, and, and to be able to then look at things as a business as a uh, a customer service facing industry uh, or 
as someone who's butting heads with the government system potentially because we need change because it's being slower than we are we need all of those different facets we need we need people working in those those places to help it's, um, I used to work in McDonald's and uh, I once was temporarily running a store, only for a few weeks, admittedly, while the, the guy was away. Um, and it was in Huddersfield. And we had the, I don't know if it was like the CEO or the chairman, but the top dog of, of UK McDonald's paying a visit. I was actually from New Zealand, was a guy, but he's top dog at UK McDonald's. And I can't remember what the thing was, but he come in and he asked me, we had a bit of a chat and he asked me how I got over this particular problem. And I just stormed up and I said, I couldn't work out how to do it. So I rang someone and asked them. And he's like, well, that's the sensible thing to do. Is that why wouldn't you do that? Why wouldn't you go for the easy option? And I was kind of saying like, oh, like sheepishly, oh, couldn't I have to get someone to help me? It's like, do it. Get someone to help you. That's Surely that's the common sense thing. And it gave me a massive reassurance that like the top dog, it's probably on like 10, 20 million quid a year, something like that, is, is saying that to me. And I related that to my learners. Now, obviously, there's an extreme, there's an extreme to what I'm about to say. But you think about what young people got get called woke for and snowflake for sometimes because they want life easy. Well, too fucking right. I want it easy. Well, why wouldn't you want the easy? It's like young people these days, they can't take insults. No, you're right. They can't. Why should they have to? But it's yes. literally people saying, don't be mean to me. Life isn't fair. Well, let's make it fair. Why should we sit here and go, it isn't fair? Let's just stomach it. Why not go, it isn't fair? Let's see if we can make it more fair. While other people will go, well, let's give more money to these rich people. No, don't tell you, leave it. Um, but it's, the, <laughs> it's that thing of well, why not just go for the easy option? Why not be nice? Why can we not look at that problem and, and find the easier solution rather than going for the hard solution? Why not can we be pleasant and nice rather than be mean and spiteful? And I'm a big believer in that. But anyway, uh, let's take a step back from that before I go too far down that road. Um, we mentioned it just then because we forgot to mention about it during the news, but the BLR, the Big Learner Relay, that is an acronym I can get my head around. I don't know why. It rolls off the tongue and it sticks in my brain. So we're good with BLR. Big learner, really. That's uh, nice. <laughs> um, But uh, it is back. We spoke about it a little bit on the last green room. But uh, there's some uh, other exciting news, isn't there, Chris, about uh, this particular year's big learner, really? Yes, I get to put my feet up. Is that? <laughs> yes, that's the exciting news. I get to do less. No, no, no. I, I, I'm, I'm really excited. Um, uh, the Big Learner Relay has historically had a podcast, um, and uh, it's, it's been purely mediocre, and, and, and put together by people who are not experts. And we've just said about you know engaging with expertise is, is important and not always valued. Um, because the industry didn't have an awesome podcast medium, that's become normal now, and and people are engaging with it, and they didn't, they don't know it wasn't there before. So um, the the baton has been passed, um, and and I am more excited about that than anything else in the relay. Uh, the relay is awesome. Anyone who hasn't engaged in it needs to, because it, it is just a. a fabulous thing in so many ways um and i get in trouble for saying it's brilliant for business 
our spotted cars for the driving school just get they get spotted literally so you know you get seen um you have to suddenly realize that it's not that you've put on a bit of weight when all the kids point at you and say mr tumble when you're driving around in a spotty car but outside of that it is it it's so good for all the things that we work hard for plus it does wonderful you know goodness for charity for local business for local people and the community and and it's it's yeah it's epic and um, what it needs is a, is a quality voice um guiding you through the is it 12 days i think um it's about there the, of the, of that journey through to the the massive children in need uh, final event and we get to have our own party um and uh we're ending up at goodwood um which is going to be really cool so you know yeah you're you're on over to you i i'm again i get to sit back and watch i'm enjoying this this is our relationship you do the hard work ian brett will empathize with you because that's what he you know that's what he and i do um i i I sit there and chat a bit and, and then sit back and watch as someone else does the hard work Kaz probably as well, my other half. She she joined you in that one. I think I need to clarify what you've said because I actually think you said it. Did <laughs> um, I not? Sorry. Yes. No, I think you nibbled around the edges. But basically, the, the Big Learner Relay podcast, as it's called, is being taken over by the Instructor Podcast, uh, and I will be coming to host that throughout uh, November um, while the Big Learner Relay is taking place. There'll be a big introduction show. There'll be shows every day throughout the uh, Big Learner Relay, and I don't think I've decided this yet, but there'll probably be a wrap-up show as well. Uh, but, yeah, that will be uh, a whole separate podcast. It won't be the Instructor Podcast, but I am uh, I was delighted to be asked um, and I'm very much looking forward to it. I'm going to be talking to the sponsors, going to be talking to the lead car drivers, uh, going to be talking to some of the, the big names behind it, potentially Chris and, and uh, Amy Johnson and, and Lou Walsh and, and, and who knows who else. Um, and maybe I'll actually start working on it properly when I get some internet. Um, but yeah, very much looking forward to that. I definitely want to give that a shout. So make sure that you are following both the Instructor Podcast page on Facebook and other social media stuff and you are following the big learner relay page and other social media stuff so that when it comes out you'll be able to go and click subscribe and haven't quite decided which category it's going to get but how awesome would it be to have like a top 100 big learner relay podcast that'll be pretty cool to get it in the top 100 in the charts so uh, yeah there'll be lots of talk about that when that comes out um but yeah so that's a news that we forgot to say at the start so that's a uh, that's good. And I don't really have time to edit this show as well, so I can't even faff it about, so it's going to stay there. Um, so I'm going to finish up with this question then, Chris. Let's go back to the question at the start, and I want a very specific number. How much should instructors earn a year? Oh, how much a year? Um, you want a specific number? Because my answer is a, a living wage. Um, because I, I think that actually that should be our focus because it, it it's a lot don't. Um, it's a bit like gambling. You think you're doing well enough, but actually if you sat down with an accountant, they'd tell you to get a proper job. Um, in, in a lot of cases, it's, you know, it's a challenge. It's not as easy as it says. Um, I, oh, 
I, I was joking about a number because it will vary depending on the person. Some people are yeah. part-time, different areas. But if if we looked at making it comparable, um, I, I I think that you know they they sh they sh we should be no. I think the problem is dividing the profits your your wage from what you're taking, and we always focus on hourly rate, which is why I can't answer your question because. It's so often focused on hourly rate. It's really hard to kind of translate that into what should you be earning? What should you be your take home be? Um, I'm going to go, it should be 40,000 a year. And I'm going to say that inside of that statement, so should being an examiner. That, that you can't say that at the end of the podcast. We, we haven't got time for a whole other debate. They, they uh, but no, I agree. <laughs> I think those numbers don't sound far off. And obviously, there'll be there'll be people that disagree, and that's completely fine. And feel free to let us know what you think an instructor should be earning. And feel free to let us know uh, how much you think we should be actually advertising that instructors should earn to get them into the industry. Is it fair that some people will say you can make £70,000 a year as a driving instructor. Should we be advertising that? Um, also, if you have any topics that you would like to hear us discuss on the green room, let us know. We've still got a few lined up, uh, but always welcome to ideas. Anything else you'd like to mention, Chris, before we disappear? Uh, definitely make sure that you've gone to biglearnerrelay.co.uk and looked at where the route's going. Just because it doesn't come near you, if it doesn't, doesn't mean you can't do something to join in. There's tons of stuff from selling cakes to having a quiz to getting your local instructors together to go on your own little relay around around your local area and you know tie up with some schools or something like that. But look now to see what's going on so you can put it in your diary for when it's near you. We don't want you to miss it. Um, and... You can get your spots and everything from there as well. So from, from that perspective, go and check that out. That That's your homework. Go to biglearnerrelay.co.uk. And then while you're on the internet, nip on to the Instructor Podcast website and uh, go to instruct the instruct the theinstructorpodcast.com um, and make sure that you've checked out what Terry's got on there. Because I love all your stuff. Um, I, I just feel I don't go and look at it enough because it, it's just making time. So I'm going to, to make up for that, I'm going to set it as homework for everybody else. Uh, my final uh, thought and comment is quite simply, if while we are talking about the big learner really or anything else, and I happen to talk about roots, I know how to spell root as in a driving root, and I know how to spell root as in a tree root. It's just sometimes I get mixed up and put the wrong one. You do not need to tell me if I spell root incorrectly. In fact, if you do tell me uh, that I spelled root incorrectly, you are banned from listening to the show ever again. Uh, and I wish a plague of locusts upon your house. Uh, but on that note, we will leave it for there. Thank you for joining me, Chris. Say bye to the wonderful folks. Bye, wonderful folks. It's been a pleasure. Yep. And make sure you are clicking subscribe wherever you are listening. So these drop into your feed, especially when season four comes back on October the 9th, probably. Uh, and uh, make sure you're giving that some love and sharing it as well. So remember, I'm going to do my uh, five-minute theory and then and say stay safe and drive safer. But uh, I won't. I'll say bye. The Instructor Podcast with Terry Cook. Talking with leaders, innovators, experts and game changers about what drives them.